According to Mark Driscoll, the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona is all about Jesus, but insiders say that's not true. It's all about Mark and control and money. Welcome to The Roy's Report, a podcast dedicated to reporting the truth and restoring the church. I'm Julie Roy's. And joining me for part two of Inside the Driscoll Cult are Chad Fries, the former head of security at the Trinity Church, and Ben Ennius, a former member of Trinity's security detail. Chad and Ben say Trinity is not a church, it's a cult. And in this episode, you'll hear about things like the spectrum of trust. This is a scale that Mark Driscoll uses to rate the loyalty of staff and members. You'll also hear about the web of celebrity pastors that run cover for Driscoll and platform his ministry. And you'll hear some crazy stories, like the time the man providing wise counsel for Trinity instructed Chad to pay parking tickets with gift cards likely donated for single moms. But before we dive in, I'd like to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Judson University and Marquardt of Barrington. Judson is a top-ranked Christian university providing a caring community and an excellent college experience. Plus, the school offers more than 60 majors, great leadership opportunities, and strong financial aid. Judson University is shaping lives that shape the world. For more information, just go to judsonu.edu. Also, if you're looking for a quality new or used car, I highly recommend my friends at Marquardt of Barrington. Marquardt is a Buick GMC dealership where you can expect honesty, integrity, and transparency. That's because the owners there, Dan and Kurt Marquardt, are men of integrity. To check them out, just go to buyacar123.com. Well, again, joining me today is Chad Fries, a retired Marine and former head of security for the Trinity Church. Also joining me is Ben Ennius, a former member of the security team at the Trinity Church. We pick up our discussion with a question of governance and oversight at Mark Driscoll's church. Mark doesn't have any elders holding him in check. He is like his own man. From what I understand, there are some out-of-state people who provide what he calls wise counsel. These include um, megachurch pastor Robert Morris, who is at Gateway Church. We actually reached out to Robert Morris asking him, okay, what is your official position with Mark right now? And he said he has no official position. He just consults on an as-needed basis. Interestingly, despite all the stuff that's come out recently, talking about this cult-like atmosphere and surveillance 24-7, and we can talk about some of that, but despite everything that's gone on, Mark is slated to speak at a two-day preaching intensive for pastors in August at Robert Morris's Gateway Church. Unbelievable. Um, also providing wise counsel is this guy, Jimmy Evans, pretty big name, former Gateway Church pastor. Now he uh, leads XO Marriage, formerly Marriage Today. I reached out to him, uh, asking him about his role, and he responded by blocking me on social media. Um, then there's Randall Taylor. He's a vice president with Dunham & Company. And friends, you need to understand Dunham & Company is a huge Christian marketing firm. The clients include Tony Evans, Kayla, Vertical Worship, which is Harvest Bible Chapel's worship team, Wycliffe Bible Translators. I mean, it's a very, very big company. But it's concerning who the executives are, not just Randall Taylor. And I'm going to pitch to you guys to explain who Randall really is and what you've seen him do at the church. But other executives, they just hired Scott Milholland. He's the former COO at Harvest Bible Chapel. He was there under James McDonald, and we know now that a third party has come in and 
and done an entire audit and found there was massive governance failure and millions of uh, church funds misused by James McDonald. Well, Scott was the COO during all that. He resigned when everything came out because everybody rightly understood he was involved. He now has been hired as a top executive at Dunham & Company. Also there is Dan Sumter. He's former executive director of Walk in the Word, James McDonald's ministry. And then there's Randall Taylor. And if you begin to see a lot of threads of people tying together, that would be accurate. I heard it referred to as James was a big brother and Mark was a little brother, and the two of them would get into a lot of mischief when they were together. But they their ministries were interconnected, and now we see this interconnection with Gateway Church and, and now Dunham & Company. So let's talk about Randall Taylor, because he is, we know, listed as one of the directors of the church. And from what I understand, he would fly in every so often and handle some things with money and different things like that. Chad, I know you've had firsthand experience with him. Would you describe his role at Trinity? Yeah. So my first interaction with with Randall Taylor was um, I was told to put him on the VIP list and didn't know who he was, never heard of him. And the pastors explained to me, hey, this guy's allowed anywhere on campus, anytime, does not need to be escorted. Um, And every time he would show up, they treated him like royalty, almost on the same level, if not more important than, than Mark Driscoll himself. And the more I got to know him and be involved with some of the discussions, I realized he's the business development guy. He handles a lot of the money, the financial stuff. When the church recently acquired the new studio, I was there the day that people they were buying, purchasing it from, uh, Randall was there and they were talking all the financials, what they were purchasing, what equipment was coming with the studio, um, signing all the paperwork. Um, that was Randall. So Randall's doing the financial piece of that. And so I started asking questions about that. And that's one of the things that some of the pastors told me is, yeah, Randall handles a lot of the business and the financial stuff. And so, okay, well, I didn't know how, exactly how they had it structured, but if if that's what the services he's providing, then, then so be it. So the, as the weeks went on, I've seen him fairly often, almost like he was coming around nearly every weekend. And he lives in Kentucky, but he's flying out here for the weekends to go to our services. And again, most of his discussions were about growth and expanding and looking at planning another campus in the, on the west side of the, the Phoenix Valley and looking at the studio that they bought and looking at the, what they call the, the Trinity Cafe now, which is across the street from Trinity Church. And so he's all about expanding these different real estate options and all about talking about raising funds and and donors and money. That was most of the conversations with and around Randall. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an Easter weekend conversation where he was striking up conversation with both me and my wife. And he was telling us how his son was uh, trying to join, go to the Naval Academy. And he knew my wife was in the Navy. He knew I was a Marine and we were having the military discussions. And then uh, he started asking me about the Manueli incident with Angelo Manueli, you know, I've been kicked out of the church that many people listening to this, I'm sure, are well aware, read some of the articles that are out there. The article that I wrote on that was the first article sort of breaking this whole uh, just series of what's going on at the Trinity Church and the abuse, the cult-like uh, environment. So that article, by the way, that was May 10th, that's had over 110,000 views. So if you wow. haven't read that, it's called Mark Driscoll Accused of Cult-Like Actions, 24-7 Surveillance, Mandated Loyalty, and and we'll talk about a, a couple of those things. But 
I encourage you to go read that if you want to get an overview of how crazy some of this stuff is. Um, just go to julieroys.com, and then you can just look under investigations. There's a whole thing on Mark Driscoll. Uh, but that article, again, that kind of the first one, that was huge and about a family that got kicked out because his son kissed uh, one of Mark Driscoll's daughters. Again, they were teenagers, and they liked each other. He kissed her, and he got kicked out. Um, but anyway, yeah, so he was asking about that incident. According to Brandon Anderson, um, she kissed him. Uh, oh, that's interesting. I'm just saying that's what he told me right before yeah. I quickly pointed out to him that my name, last name was Ennius. And uh, since it wasn't Driscoll or Manueli, I didn't really need to know any of the details, which he proceeded to tell me more details after service anyway. But that's just how they kind of do it. They kind of slip in and tell you a little bit of a detail to earn your trust so you can actually spread the rumors. Mm. Yeah, the conversation that Randall was having with me at the Easter weekend service was about the Angelo Manueli incident. And he asked me, he said, you know, have you been able to get much information on him? I know you guys have a private investigator. You you have this team pulling that. And he said, I've read a lot of this, the police reports uh, about his previous interaction with his neighbor. They're basically putting, trying to get anything they can against Angelo at this point. And I said, well, you know, uh, Brandon's handling that. I don't know what all information he's gotten and whatever I've gotten, I've just funneled it up to him. Um, other than that, no. And I could tell that Randall was kind of fishing, but then he changed the subject a, a little bit. He had just finished talking about his son. Then he starts telling me about his daughter. He goes, well, my daughter, you know, she's uh, in her last year of law school. She's uh, about to be an attorney. And um, I just spent three days with her last weekend. And she has access to these different systems and platforms. And he goes, you may have heard of them. I was, she let me use her login and I was able to dig up a lot of stuff on Angelo. And it's oh, really like without a warrant, like you didn't, how are you accessing these systems? Oh, well, you know, again, it's my daughter's accounts, her login, like she's in her last year of law school. So um, I just used her, her stuff. And me being a cybersecurity guy's like, okay, first of all, you it's illegal. You, you can't be using other people's accounts, um, especially that you don't have access to. Identity and access management is huge in, in the security world. And for her letting you use her account to access information about someone the church kicked out, like this, let's talk about ethics, like put the legal part aside, mm. throw out some morals and ethics. Like, why are you acting this way? And you're, you're one of the leaders or directors or overseers of our church or wise counsel. Like what kind of wise counsel are you providing Mark Driscoll? Like what you're doing is not right. Um, I, of course I didn't say that to him. Um, perhaps I should have, um, but in my mind, I definitely made a note of it. Like, why are you telling me this? I guess mm. he knew a little, a little bit about my background and, we talked about some things and built that rapport and I think he did trust me and he shared that information with me, but immediately I'm like, okay, I cannot trust this guy. Well then fast forward a few weeks, Ben and I were in our last, we were in our chaplaincy class and uh, pastor Darian's telling the students in our chaplain class that, you know, pastors are held to the highest level according to the Bible. And if there's any accusations or concerns of them not being biblically qualified, as we read in first Timothy and Titus, then they're immediately, you know, brought into question, they're investigated. Most of the time they're kicked out, they're removed from their position as a pastor. And as pastors, they're held to the highest standard. And those of us that are aspiring to become chaplains, although we're not on the level of a pastor, we're still called to be held to a higher standard and we need to conduct ourselves accordingly. But then he tells us 
that he goes, and just so you guys know, your actions and behaviors online on social media are being heavily monitored. Trinity has um, hired a team to monitor your social media posts, to monitor who you're connected with, who you're friends with, what type of stuff you're liking and commenting and sharing. Because there were issues, like people were sharing pictures of being with people that have been, are now deemed as outcasts, they're toxic or demonic, people that have left the church or been kicked out of the church, um, even former paid members that were fired, uh, Pastor Dustin included. Um, you know, we were in a scene in a photo with him on Easter, him and his family. This is Dustin Blatnick, right? Former worship pastor. Yeah, I knew what Darian was talking about, but he was telling all of us that they had that company to monitor our social media. And I recalled back to that very first meeting I had with Mark when I asked him who's leading his cyber program and who's doing social media analysis. If you got people in there commenting and sharing and saying a bunch of negative things against the church, who's handling that? And he told me, well, we have Randall Taylor and his company handles all that for us. Okay, there's a there's a valid monitoring of social media, but as I understand the way that Trinity uses it is if you happen to be seen with somebody that they put on their bad list or somebody who's left the church not in the best terms, if you're getting a picture with one of them or something like that, then you're on the outs because you're not allowed to associate with those folks. Absolutely. There's one more thing that happened at that Easter weekend from what you've told me before. There also was something about, so there were a bunch of people getting ticketed because they had parked in the wrong place and the cops were coming to the staff and saying, hey, we got a problem here. We got to issue people parked in the wrong place. We're going to have to give them tickets. Of course, you don't want your people getting tickets when they come to church. And so there was some concern about that. And then Randall, as I understand, took the bull by the horns and led you to a safe. And I want you to tell me what was in that safe and what he was suggesting to do. Yeah, so I'll, I'll back up just a little bit and let you know that it's a pretty regular occurrence that Scottsdale Police Department comes by Trinity Church because of illegal parking, because of um, noise, uh, cranking the music in the backyard. And we're in a residential area and their houses are right up behind the church. And, you know, they blast the music full blast and the officers come, guys, please turn it down. You know, it's Sunday morning at 8 a.m. You're blasting this music really loud. People are trying to sleep. Uh, so I was expecting them to show up on Easter weekend. And lo and behold, they did. They showed up and I got called out to the parking lot on the side of the road. There was, I don't know, 10 cars parked illegally in a no parking zone that was taking up half of the, the street that's next to the church. And the officer said, look, we need to have these vehicles moved. They're not only they're, they're in a no parking zone, but it's a safety issue because their vehicles are taking up more than half of the lane. So what can you do? And it's, well, there's not much I can do right now because everyone's in the service, but service is going to end in like 20 minutes, Ken. Can we wait? And they said, well, you know, we can't really wait much longer. Um, we're going to have to write a citation. You know, we're out here every weekend. We're constantly dealing with issues with you guys. So I radio some of the pastors inside and one of them told me, hey, just come inside and we'll handle it. So I head inside. The officers leave the, the property and they said, hey, they said they'll be back in 20 or 30 minutes. So they left the property. I go inside and I head upstairs to the there's like a balcony overlooking the sanctuary. It's Randall Taylor, and then Ashley Chase, she's standing there. So both of them are up there and Randall looks at me and I'm explaining the situation and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I'm, I'm aware of what's going on. Um, don't we just, don't we have some cash laying around somewhere? You can just go grab some cash out of a safe and just go pay these people. Like just pay for their tickets as they leave. And I was like, I, I have no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know of any cash. And Ashley goes, yeah, I think we, we have petty cash stashed away somewhere in the safe downstairs. Like 
let me get Brandon over here because he's the campus pastor. Brandon comes up the stairs and Randall asks Brandon, Brandon, like, can you go get Chad some petty cash and just, we just pay for these people's tickets. And he goes, well, we don't have cash, but we have gift cards. So we can just pay them with gift cards. Randall said, yeah, that's a great idea. Just hand them gift cards as they're leaving, whatever. Like who cares if they get parking tickets? The church will always pay for us. So just let them know we're glad that they're here. We're thankful for them being here and just pay their ticket on the way out. If you could Chad. So, okay. So we go downstairs, Brandon and I go downstairs to the safe and Brandon's in a hurry because he has to be on stage baptizing people. So he opens the safe, pulls out a box, a little box full of gift cards. I mean, there's a hundred, 150 gift cards and there's just stacks of them. Mm -hmm. And he just hands it to me and he says, Chad, just handle this. I got to go back inside. Thank you. And just walks away. So I'm standing there with a box of gift cards and I'm kind of rummaging through them. Like, okay, in my mind, they're asking me to pay for these people's parking tickets with a gift card. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have a Visa or MasterCard gift card in here that I could just hand them, you know, 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, whatever it is. No, it's Chick-fil-A gift cards, TJ Maxx gift cards, Target gift cards, Outback Steakhouse. It's, and I realized these gift cards were donated at Christmas time to the single mom's ministry. They brought, they raised a donation asking people to donate these cards for, for a specific purpose, not to pay for people's parking tickets. So hmm. I could, I couldn't do anything with those gift cards. I had to put them back in the safe. And thankfully I went back out to the streets and the officers never showed back up and people left. No one got a ticket, but they, the fact that they wanted me to pay people with gift cards for their parking ticket, to me, I, I didn't think that was right. I mean, there was parking across the street. People know they're parking right in front of a no parking sign, first of all. Mm -hmm. um, but asking to use gift cards that were donated for a specific ministry, maybe not illegal, but it's definitely unethical. I think it is illegal, actually. I think if you donate something, it has to be used for what you're donating it for. Yeah. Uh, there's IRS rules about donor intent, and yeah. uh, nonprofits and churches need to honor donor intent. So if you donate intending the money to be used for single moms, it should be used for that. Ben, do you do you have firsthand knowledge of, of that, of what so, those gift cards were? My wife was also attending uh, Flourish, and to her best knowledge, that was actually what the gift cards were for. Now, we can't confirm that those were the same gift cards, but the random denominations and uh, random restaurants and stuff, that kind of matches up with what they were donating um, for that cause. That does seem to be what that's, it's for. And what makes it even worse is it's Sunday, so it's not like that Chick-fil-A is going to be useful. <laughs> well, certainly not on that day. But this was also in my article on the Manueli family. Again, a family that got kicked out because their son kissed a, a Driscoll or she kissed him, whatever the case may be. But their children were paid with gift cards for internships. Again, where did those gift cards come from? And this, this just opens up a lot of questions about how the money was used. Again, you say Randall Taylor was in charge, it sounds like, of some of the running of the money, but there doesn't seem to be any accountability or anyone over Mark and, you know, Mark's salary. Do you guys know what Mark's salary was or any idea? I have no idea. Since we're not members, the church doesn't actually have members. Mm -hmm. um, they're not actually required to release any sort of financials. So um, this is one of the many things that we've learned in the process of attending there, that uh, when you attend a new church, like you had said, mentioned earlier, you should ask these questions because they actually matter. Yeah. They really do. And not reporting your financials is a huge red flag. And not enough people ask about that. 
there was a meeting, a security meeting I set in with Mark and Angelo Manueli, right, had brought up concerns about financials. This was after he and his family were kicked out of the church. And again, his, his both his sons were um, being paid through the staff and his son, Joey, who got married, the church, Mark said it was from his personal money. It was come to find out his money from the church paying for his honeymoon. And there was a whole list of issues and concerns with financials. So one of the things that Angelo was bringing forth was he wanted a third party financial auditing auditor to come audit the church and see what the monies were being spent on and how the financials were being handled and all of the issues around it. Um, and so I was in a meeting briefing Mark on some of the concerns from Angelo and others and said, Hey, just so you guys know, this is what Angelo and some others are bringing up of concern. And this is what they want someone to look into. And we started talking about financials and Mark looks at me and he says, well, he, he said, I learned a lot of lessons from my last church and uh, structured this one differently. And there's a reason that I set it up this way. And let's not forget I'm in charge. Um, that comment was about lack of local elders. But the next piece was, he said, there's a, I've set up, there's a reason I have multiple LLCs and nonprofits set up. And he's like, I can shift things around however I want from one to another. Uh, he said, but I assure you all of our financials are on the up and up. So uh, I do have freedom to move things around as I see fit, but there's nothing wrong going on. And the way he said it and his tone and his body language told me that that wasn't completely true. That piece is definitely an area that should be explored more. Um, both between the nonprofit of, of Real Faith or Mark Driscoll Ministries and the church, where those overlap, how salaries are paid, how they're not paid, where the money's going, that people are tithing and donating to, how's all, the, all this real estate that's being purchased. That's the type of questions that you know, people should be asking where their money's going to. And if you look back to the Mars Hill days and you look at even on their archived website, where he talks about the importance of financial transparency and he talks about um, as members and having memberships, you know, they disclose their annual report and all of that. And that was part of the discussion I had here during that security meeting with Mark. And that's one of the reasons they don't have memberships. Hmm. Uh, again, I think it was because of it bit them when they, they at Mars Hill. So a lot of the things that should be done properly are not being done here. I think the financials is one of that. So no, it's, it's really important. And the fact that he, it seems instead of learning from the Mars Hill experience that I need to develop character in line with my gifting, he's done the exact opposite. He said, I need to design a church that will enable my bad character and enable me to do whatever I want to do to run this thing. You say as a cult, it almost sounds like uh, a, a mafia. Uh, you know, he's the mob yeah. boss and he's in charge. It, it's scary really, uh, the way that this is, is designed and the way that it's running. And I know so many people are getting hurt. And again, you had mentioned this spectrum of trust. I know, Chad, you were there when this was unveiled. And I think this was the last straw for you, was when, when you saw this spectrum of trust. Can you describe what that is? I got pulled into another meeting. Uh, so it's Pastor Brandon Anderson and Caleb Glenny. Uh, so the three of us were in Brandon's office. And he says, so Chad, just, you know, Caleb and I just sat through a couple hour session with Pastor Mark and the rest of the staff, where we talked about trust levels and relationships. And Mark briefed the staff on what is called the spectrum of trust from a zero to a 10. The higher you are on the spectrum, the more access you get. And I said, access to what? He said, all oh, the access to the Driscolls. The Driscolls are level 10. 
So the higher you get on that spectrum, the more trust and more access to the Driscoll's that you get. And he says, so Chad, security team is like a level nine as a security team because security is very important and you're in these private meetings and you're having these conversations, but uh, you're not a 10 because you're not in Driscoll's personal life. You're not like doing security at his house, for example. So um, you're not fully trusted on a level 10, but your team is like a nine. Then he said, so Chad, you're at like an eight. And I'm like, wait a minute, how am I an eight? I'm the director of security team. Security team is a nine. How am I lower than that? That's mentally what I'm processing. Like, what is he saying here? And he's like, you know, your, your wife may be like a six. Ben is even lower than you, Chad, because he can't get his wife under control. He's not leading his family well. He's not leading his household, which is totally false, by the way. Ben is one of the best husbands and fathers and leaders I've, I've ever become friends with or met. I just want to make that clear on the record. Well, and not handling your family well means he's not controlling his wife and controlling her exactly. from speaking the truth or associating with people that the church has deemed she can't associate with, correct? Absolutely. And that's what he continued to say about a few other people. So he says, Brandon says, well, Ben is a level below you, so he's probably like a seven. Um, his wife is, you know, his wife is probably like a level three. Um because Ben's not leading them well, and his wife has relationships with people that the church has deemed as unsafe. These people are toxic, they're demonic, and she shouldn't be associating with them. So he said the same thing about Vlad, who is a very devoted uh, volunteer. He's been in every aspect. He runs a, a men's ministry table. He runs a personal home life group at his house. He's a chaplain, all kinds of stuff. He goes, you know, Vlad is a step below Ben because his wife has definitely been involved with these toxic relationships. So Vlad's probably like maybe a five or a six and his wife is like a, maybe like a one or a two. And then he said, so pastor Dustin, Dustin Blotnick um, is probably at like a level five because his wife Trina's a zero, you know, she's very toxic and uh, very unsafe. And again, um, as men, you guys are not leading your households. Well, you're not getting your wives under control you're still allowing them to have these personal friendships and relationships with people that the, the church doesn't think that they should be friends with or have these relationships with. And mm -hmm. he said, you know, specifically Trina, which is Pastor Dustin's wife, and then Maria, which is Vlad's wife, you know, those two ladies, they just can't sever the ties in these relationships. And then he goes on to say, he goes, Chad, it's like this, you know, as, as men, we're pretty logical. You know, we approach things from a logical way, but women, women are way too emotional and, Women just cannot cut these relationships. They can't separate, you know, business from, from personal relationships. And if the men can't get their wives under control, then we have to reassess where they fall in the spectrum of trust. Mm. And he had pulled up a picture. He'd taken a picture of the dry erase board from Mark Driscoll's office where Mark Driscoll had just briefed his whole staff on this. And you could see the names or, and initials next to these numbers on the spectrum going from left to right, zero to 10. And some of the names, there were several names up there that had also been erased. Um, you could tell the dry erase marker had been erased a little in certain areas. So maybe it was a mistake or maybe they intentionally erased the name before they took the picture to show me. I have no idea. But his next statement to me was, I think that Trina and Maria are the ringleaders of all of this. So what are you talking about? Ringleaders of what? He's like, you know, still associating with all these unsafe people and getting everyone together and having these personal relationships and you know, conspiring against people. And 
said, hold on a minute. Are you seriously sitting here telling me all of this? Because you're, let me guess, you're basing all of this off of a picture you saw on social media of all of our families at Easter. We had Easter brunch together at Vlad's house. So he goes, uh, like, yeah, how did you know that? Well, one, because I'm not an idiot. And two, you're, you're talking in circles here around all the people you're mentioning were in that photo. So what's the concern? We just served seven services back to back at the Easter weekend here at the church. And we all got together to break bread with fellow Christians on the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We're celebrating that. And you're more concerned about a picture that we took together. And you're basing that off of whether or not we can or can be trusted or whether or we can or can't get our, our wives under control and control who they can be friends with and have those relationships with. So what you're telling me, what I'm hearing is the church is going to tell us who we can and can't be friends with. He goes, no, 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 I'm not. We can't say that because we can't tell you who you can and can't be friends with. All we're saying is that if you choose to be friends with these people that are unsafe, then we can no longer fellowship with you. Or maybe you can't serve in a leadership position or serve on security. So you got to pick one or the other. And it says, are you, we need to know, Chad, like, are you guys team Driscoll? Or are you team Blotnik? And I was so confused. Like, what do you guys have against Pastor Dustin and his family? Like, they, yeah, they were the ones in the photo, but he was a pastor that was that was fired recently. And, you know, Mark Driscoll and, and Brandon and the rest of them, they, they lie about the story. You know, they say that everything was great. They left on great terms. And as soon as Pastor Dustin and his family leaves, they immediately start slandering them and talking about, about them. And now they're marked on the spectrum of trust and, asking me to pick, are you team Driscoll or to slash team Trinity or team Blotnick? And I'm, you know, I'm neither, I'm team Jesus, hmm. which is why a lot of us now wear team Jesus bracelets hmm. based off that conversation. But Wow. And that, I mean, it just reminds me of, of scripture when Paul is confronting the church for, you know, some saying I follow Apollos and some say I follow Paul. And, you know, again, just this is so toxic, and, and there's major issues of boundaries. There's personal boundaries about who you can associate and what the church can tell you and not tell you to do. And this is where it does cross the line over into, I think, cult-like behavior. I mean, this is kind of definition of, of cult. It may not have bad doctrine, but that seems to always follow eventually because you have to find a doctrine to support what you're doing. But the control is is really the scary level. And Ben, you were on the receiving end of this. You kind of learned through the grapevine that you weren't to be trusted anymore, right? Yeah, Chad comes downstairs and lets me know about this allegation that I'm not leading my family well or controlling my wife, which is comical because why would I want to do that? <laughs> thank you. All of us wives, <laughs> thank you for that statement. And, and honestly, this is misogyny. I just want to say that it is. outright and to say that women are too emotional and to not bless the strengths that women have because they do form such deep relationships. But yes, when you're trying to form an abusive system and run it, those loving relationships that are committed to each other become an impediment. So I can see why he would want to degrade that. But again, that, that's just my editorial comment because that really does make me angry. But go ahead, Ben. It hits a nerve and it should because it's disgusting and yeah. it shouldn't exist. But here we are. Um, it seems to be kind of prevalent within the entire Christian community right now as we look through SBC and mm. all the going on there. I mean, it's it's just sad. That's not what Jesus wants of us. And no, I have no desire to control my wife. Um, I, I was lucky enough to marry 
my best friend, who's my partner in life. Mm -hmm. And together we try to live our lives in a way that's glorifying to God. Um, do we get it right all the time? No, but I have no desire to control her because she has so many gifts and strengths that are, are not mine. So why wouldn't we lean on those? Um, anyway, that's just a side note. If anyone's going to, I'm more the mail order husband. I mean, I'm the foreigner. She, she could have done a lot better probably. She's awesome. So it, I was entertained by the the whole accusation and I was actually looking forward to having the conversation because at that point I was kind of annoyed. Hmm. Um, I was assured, you know, Chad assured me, Hey, don't worry. They're going to talk to you soon and you'll get a chance to get this thing cleared up. And, but I didn't realize at the time, cause at the time I was still making a lot of excuses. I, I was drinking the Kool-Aid for lack of a better term. Um, and I was making excuses for all the things I was seeing, not really seeing it for what it truly was. But this was kind of what made me open my eyes to, there's something wrong here. We can't talk about being real men and be afraid to talk to one another about something as serious as this. Uh, if you're accusing me of not leading my household well, by all means, pull me aside and let's have a conversation. And maybe if, you know, if I feel convicted of it, I would have been strengthened by it and I would have had a better relationship for it. Or if not, I could have corrected you and we could have set this straight. But no, they don't do that. Cowards talk about people. They don't talk to people. And that's what we've got going on here. So it's Wednesday. I'm pretty upset. Thursday comes by. Friday comes by. Nothing. Saturday, there's a really awkward pastor. And again, I say pastor with air quotes all the time. Uh, Eden Fine pulls me into a meeting with my wife to talk about what we're doing. And he lightly brushes up against it, to which my uh, very shy wife asks him point blank, so are we going to talk about this Easter picture or what? To which he feigns ignorance, like he doesn't even know what we're talking about. So that doesn't count as a conversation. If you can't even own your side of it, at the very least, just be a man and say what it is. You don't want us to have fellowship with Pastor Dustin, who is an amazing individual. He loves the Lord. He was the only pastoral person on staff. And his wife is a gem. She is so kind and smart and has great insight. And throughout this entire process, even though she's been talked poorly about and been truly hurt by it, she's still asking us to pray about it, to, to seek God's will for our lives. And she really is wonderful. I've had to apologize to her for even entertaining the idea of having my wife kind of keep some separation. Um, full disclosure, my wife kind of dealt with some uh, depression when we were living in the Northwest. So I'm pretty sensitive to anything that's negative around her just because I don't want to see her slide back into that. We've experienced such a great um, shift as we moved down to Phoenix with the sun and um, so many factors play into that. But I, I was cognizant of that and trying to protect her from anything that was negative. Little did I know I planted my family in the lion's den, uh, but like I said, I've, I've had to apologize for that. But yeah, nobody's ever talked to me about this. And when I try to bring it up to Pastor Brandon, I was basically told, I'm sorry you feel that way, which what kind of crazy gaslighting is this? That's not how we handle ourselves. Then I approached Pastor Darian and said, hey, this doesn't sit well with me. Can we please figure out a way to move forward? Because this isn't the way that we should be interacting, especially as pastors. I mean, if you're a pastor, you, you should probably handle this a little bit better than that. I'm not asking for perfection, but let's at least try. 
Uh, first conversation went pretty well. Like, yes, I see your point. Yes, uh, that's not correct. These young pastors, they really need to do better. Totally taking my side, right? Okay, fine. But can we at least facilitate a conversation? Well, next time I talk to him, he feigns ignorance just like uh, Eden did. No idea what I'm talking about. He knew all the details. I'd already shared them all with him. And now he's pretending like he doesn't have any idea what I'm doing or what we're dealing with and telling me that I need to, um, well, I need to initiate contact. I I need to do all this. And I was like, I've already tried that. I'm I'm asking you. But like I said earlier, like these cowards talk about people. They don't talk to people. This all could have been avoided. And I'm, I'm actually really thankful that it wasn't because it allowed us to actually open our eyes and look around. And as we looked around, we discovered lies everywhere. The Manueli story lies all throughout it. Everything we were told about it was basically a lie that was done in plain sight. The allegation with uh, the security member that brought forth concerns, they spun so many lies about him, but we had no idea because we weren't there. So we just kind of believed them because pastors don't lie. I'm not used to pastors lying. That's that's absurd to me. I mean, I grew up with uh, uh, Randy Alcorn and Stu Weber and just these godly men that opened their lives to us. And we actually did life with them. It wasn't, they're going to preach at us from the pulpit and then they're separate. They're, some, they're somehow more equal than us. No, like we did life with them, with their kids. We saw when they fell. We saw them praying for their kids. We saw them trying to do better. Like, that's shepherding. It's walking alongside, not preaching at. Um, so for me, this was all very foreign. The fact that you could have a pastor with the title just lie without any sort of remorse, without any sort of issues. And they do it with such frequency that they actually believe their own clippings. It's kind of, it's absurd. This is all on the heels of, again, you talked about the Manueli incident and surveillance. They hired a private investigator to surveil the Manueli family after they were obviously downgraded to zero on the spectrum of trust because they got angry that they got kicked out of the church for something so ridiculous as their teenage son kissing the daughter of Driscoll. Did at, at that point, Chad, I mean, was that making your head spin at all that, oh my goodness, we're surveilling a family? private individuals who left the church 24-7. And is it even, I guess it's legal, but it's just, it's a little scary. Yeah, definitely, definitely is a little scary. Um, I I guess it is, it is legal if you hire a private investigator and what the company and the services that they provide um, morally and ethically using church funds. that's, That's another question. But given the scenario and the situation at the time, and all the data points that were coming in about Angelo. I mean, we were being fed information from multiple sources, a lot of them from the pastors and the staff, things you'd read on social media. Um, we had some guys on our security team reach out to him and have some pieces of conversation with Angelo directly. And what the staff was doing was twisting what Angelo was saying to make it sound like yeah, he was coming to uh, destroy the church. And, um, and they even put in their recent newsletter that, People were out to destroy the church or take down the Trinity Church, and you know that was never Angelo's intent. Uh, in fact, they they did they they sent a detective to Angelo's house. They got Scottsdale Police Department involved. They had him fully investigated, and the police report even and the detective was talking to Angelo. Yeah, there's nothing substantial here. There's no 
legitimate threats of you against the church. Like all Angela ever wanted was for for Mark to uh, to repent and apologize on how he's treated people, and not just Angelo and his family, but many of the families that are we're just hearing about, or even those from the past. And that's what Angelo wanted was, hey, this guy's not fit to be a pastor. Someone else needs to take the realm of being the head pastor, the senior pastor of Trinity. Not saying Trinity Church needs to go away, but we need a biblically qualified pastor to shepherd the flock. That's what he was getting at. Um, but of course, in the moment and the heat and the discussions and all the different pieces that were coming in, they painted him out to be this terrorist that he's lying, toxic, demonic, evil, the same thing. They slander everyone that leaves the church. They say the same stuff, whether they were fired, kicked out, or left on their own free will. So there was an incident where Brandon, and this is linked in, I think, in my article, and I think in yours as well, maybe your first article that you posted, Julie, on this topic was the screenshots that I have about, I was the one who recommended that they follow Angelo. And the church was trying to use that against me before I published any of those screenshots. Well, Chad made us do it. Chad made us follow these people. Chad made us hire the security company. I, I, let's make something crystal clear. No one makes Mark Driscoll do anything. Uh, no one makes the staff do anything. I was a, I was a volunteer and I was giving recommendations, professional recommendations, given my position as the director of security. And when I have pastors telling me, oh, we have confirmed that Angelo is going to go burn Mark's house down or he's going to go burn the church down. Uh, yeah, of course, I'm going to recommend, well, you should probably follow him or better yet, call the police and see if that's credible and have them follow him. Days prior to me recommending them follow Angelo and his family, in another message that you see the screenshot I took, Brandon said, Chad, you know, I want to dig up as much dirt on Angelo as possible. I want to get a private investigator. He wanted the private investigator, or maybe he did it on his own, was go submit requests through the court system to get as much legal information from Angelo's history. And then from the private investigator, following his moves, going to his house, his whole family, developed a robust be on the lookout Rebolo list, describing his vehicles, all of his vehicles that he drives, everywhere him and his family went. And so that was on a whole nother level. But one of the irony in this is back to what Ben was just saying about how they talk about people and not to people. That's a running theme. I mean, they slander so many people. Uh, the pastors do. You know, we mentioned earlier that Mark Driscoll has abused people before. He's run a cult-like operation before. It sounds like it's on steroids right now, but there is a 2012 recording where Mark compares his church to a bus, and it's chilling. Uh, a lot of people who are listening may have heard this this clip before. It's worth repeating, because this is how Mark Driscoll views the people in his church, and how he views how to manage them. So I'm going to play this clip, and then I'd like to hear from you, Chad, because you brought up a question about a bus that seems to be yes. very uh, indicative of how Mark Driscoll views this whole, what he said in 2012, and whether or not he still stands by it. Here's what I've learned. You, you cast vision for your mission— and if people don't sign up, you move on. There are people that are going to die in the wilderness, and there are people that are going to take the hill. That's just how it is. Too many guys waste too much time trying to move stiff-necked, stubborn, obstinate people. I am all about 
blessed subtraction. There, there is a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus. <laughs> and by God's grace, it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. Um, you either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. Chilling. You either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. You gentlemen have seen a lot of people run over by the bus. In my understanding, there's a bus out in front of Trinity Church. There was. There was. Okay, tell me about this. Yeah, so um, big bus, Trinity Church logo on the side, on the back. Um, my understanding after all of this is, you know, come to light these last couple months is I was now told that oh, the bus, Chad, you got the story wrong. The bus was donated as like um, a fun thing for the kids. They were maybe going to turn it into um, an arcade or something for the teens. Like they were going to retrofit it, and which never happened. But here's the correlation that I made and that many others have made is the audio that you just heard of Mark talking about piles of dead bodies behind the bus. You're either on mission or you're not. And I didn't even know about that recording. I didn't know about the sermon and any of it until I started having conversations with former Mars Hill people. And they said, you need to listen to this. So wait a minute, we have a bus. And I remember asking Brandon Anderson about the bus, about uh, what we were using it for. Uh, they were so concerned about parking. Our parking was always overflowing and it's, it takes up like seven or eight parking spots. Like, why is the bus out here? What are we using it for? And he very, he was like very nervous. He was like, uh, well, you know, we're, we're just using it as a prop. Okay. Prop for what? Uh, yeah. You know, just, it's just to send a message. Okay. For what? Like I never really got a, any detailed answer in that is really what he said well a separate occasion kevin panky who is retired but happens to be a bus driver now for just for the fun of it to keep him busy he drives kids on the school bus and he's a bus driver and he offered he said you know pastor brandon i, I have my license i drive a bus this is what i do um, maybe we could take the trinity bus and take the youth group out on their sometimes they do team building events like i could drive it no, no, I don't, we don't want to drive it. It's just to be used as a prop. Again, told Kevin the same thing. So after hearing that recording and knowing how Mark and the staff treats people behind the scenes, it's like, okay, well, either it's a coincidence or you made a calculated decision to put that bus out there to send a message. But if it was truly an accident and you put the bus out there not thinking about what you had said in the past, and that just shows a lack of decision-making ability or discernment. Knowing that that's in your past, why would you ever want to put your and your staff in a position to have a bus out there, to be accused or even anyone have concern of what type of message you're sending? What other message would be sent? This is a famous quote. Exactly. It's Yeah, it's, it is shocking. So my understanding, both you gentlemen still know people who are attending the church. And I've heard reports that about 100 families have left. I mean, at one point, this church was like 800 people. Then, you know, it seemed like COVID, when they opened up, and they were one of the few churches that opened up, it boomed to like 2,000. All of the reporting that's happening, how is that impacting the church? And the people that you're talking to, how do they describe what, what the church culture is like right now? Ben, I'll throw that to you first. So I haven't been back to the church since uh, we left, but we do have friends there. And 
it's kind of awkward because, you know, I've had good friends that um, I, I look forward to becoming, you know, to continuing our friendship later that have actually let me know that in this season, they're going to have to pull back and uh, just kind of see what God t- is telling them, which is a nice way of saying that uh, they're going to not be in fellowship with people that the church is no longer in fellowship with. Mm-hmm. We do have other people that are kind of one step in, one step out that are letting us know like, hey, this is what they're saying about you. And it just doesn't sit well. It's awkward to have a pastor talking poorly about ex-congregants. For my part, I've remained my- mainly silent. So for them to be talking poorly about me, it's kind of awkward, isn't it? I mean, I, I haven't given you any cause to to go on the offensive and try to assassinate my character or slander me. Um, but yet here they are, whether they're doing it from the pulpit. If you listen to his sermons, they're pretty targeted. Uh, mm-hmm. Scripture be darned that can be weaponized however we want. And then on top of that, they're doing it in side conversations. And they're also doing it from like the chaplaincy class where Pastor Darian Bennett, he's weaponizing scripture against us there too, which is, again, kind of ironic. I, I wish them nothing but the best. I'm, I'm still hoping for repentance and moving forward. I mean, we don't have to be friends, but I would love to see this entire situation get turned into something that glorifies God. But at the very least, I just want the truth to stand. How many are actually going to the church right now? Do you have any any idea? The attendance started slipping pretty drastically while we were still there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard estimates from that was attributed to a pastor um, that they expect about a thousand people um, will have left because of this. I have heard that the parking lot's about half full. Whether that's true or not, I I haven't cared enough to even drive by to be honest. Chad, do you have any? Uh... Anything to add to that? I heard the same thing from that was attributed to a pastor saying they expect to lose about a thousand people from this. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many families have left. I know I personally know probably a hundred or so friends and um, former members of our security team, their families, friends of their families have left. But other than that, I'm not sure, you know, and what really, again, is we're not persuading or trying to convince anyone to leave. We're still, we still have friends that are attending there. We have friends that are part of that men's ministry, the chaplain program. Um, and the running theme in these conversations are, well, you guys are just being divisive. You guys are just being toxic. You guys are just out here um, trying to spread a bunch of lies and gossip and slander. And what you're saying is not true. So, okay, well, everyone can have their own opinion. I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm presenting facts with evidence testimonies, stories, what I experienced, what my family experienced, what other families have experienced. You can make your own decision based off that. I don't blame anyone or fault anyone for not seeing what's really going on because you, again, you don't really truly get to see it unless you're part of those meetings and discussions. If you just show up and attend the church, listen to the sermon and leave, you're going to have, you'll probably have a great time. And that's why a lot of people are still there. One of the things I, I just want to highlight this piece, one of the things that really stuck out to me that I didn't even know as the head of security until someone came forth and asked me, they said, do you know of anyone on this banned list of people that aren't allowed to be here? Can you confirm that the in-laws are not allowed to be on campus? So what are you talking about? He goes, you know, like Mark Jiskell's in-laws is his daughter, Ashley, you know, her husband, Landon, are his parents allowed here? Or um, his other son, Zach, that's married to Chloe is Chloe's parents allowed to be here? And 
as I started talking to these families, it's man, the way that they were treated, the way that they were treated. I mean, they're, they're family, they're in-laws. No, they're not allowed on campus. The way that they're treated is horrible. The way that Mark uses their children to drive a wedge between their own families, um, it's downright disgusting. And then you look at Pastor Brandon's um, in-laws and how they're treated. Um, his wife's parents, you know, that relationship and how they're using the grandchildren as pawns against them. And you, these stories are heartbreaking. But that's what I ask people is if you if Mark is going to treat his own family this way, his own children's spouses, parents across the board, all of them. Well, how's he going to treat Joe Schmo that just just comes here and happens to volunteer? And when he preaches, he's all about relationships. He's been saying that a lot lately. It's it's not true. It's revenue over relationships is what he's for. Well, he told the staff, we're no longer a relational church. We don't have to focus on relationships. We're growing, but the relationships I do want you guys to focus on, pastors and staff, is those that donate a certain amount of money. Oh, my word. Yeah. He said, at a minimum, I want you all to, um, to ensure you at least remember their name, their face, make them feel welcome on Sunday, say hi to them. So if they donate a certain amount of money, treat them well. And again, that goes back to what I've been saying. He's, he values revenue over relationships. To me, that, that says a lot. Like, you should want, how are you going to preach that you're all about relationships and then tell your staff we're not about relationships? And one of them was a, a former pastor that shared this with me. So hmm. when we left, the at least three of us stepped down from security at the same time. It was more than that. But as we left for the church, it was kind of ironic because one of the three of us received a text message saying that they're praying for them and they just wish them the best. And well, they, you know, they surpass that threshold of giving Chad and I do not. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of funny as we had a group text message, like, Hey, did you guys receive this? And we're like, no, these guys haven't talked to us at all. They're afraid to talk to us. They'll talk about us all day. That's their favorite pastime, but they won't talk to us but they will talk to you because you donate enough that they actually care. It was disgusting. And it kind of and, made me feel like I needed a shower afterwards. Yeah. Cause that guy, that guy that Ben's talking about was one of our leads on our security team. And um, he makes a very decent uh, living. God's blessed him and his family. And, and so he, he definitely tithes and donates way, way beyond the 10% that, you know, scripture tells us that he, he gives a lot time, effort, energy, and money. And, he was one of the individuals just like Ben that was talked about numerous times behind his back to me. I was in these meetings. We don't trust him. We don't like him. All he cares about is getting close to Mark Driscoll, which is total opposite. It, that's not true whatsoever. But they would say these things about people, but not to people. So numerous, numerous times. And I'd ask Brandon and the other people that were saying these things, like, they're right outside. Like, why don't you go talk to them? No, we'll talk to them later. This is multiple occasions. Like, if you're going to talk about people, and you have such concern. I mean, y'all keep saying Matthew 18, 15, you throw that in my face, like every single day. It's like, just go talk to them. And I'll tell you this, Julie, and everyone that's listening to this day, since we left the church, not a single phone call, not a single text message, not a single email, none of them have reached out to us. The very first communication that we received from Trinity Church was a cease and desist letter and threatened to sue us in court hmm. because we're speaking out and we're telling the truth and we want people to have a platform and a voice and not be afraid. And if that means I get sued so that other people can have some courage to speak up, then so be it. I'm okay with that. But 
it shouldn't get to that point. But that just shows you what type of behavior and the type of people that we're truly dealing with. Well, I really appreciate you gentlemen speaking out and having the guts to do that. And I just want to say, despite everything that has been reported currently, Mark and Grace Driscoll are listed on XO Marriage, Jimmy Evans' website, as part of the XO Ministry team. Sticky Teams, which is a conference put on by North Coast Training Network, uh, Larry Osborne, that's his outfit, and also Chris Brown is North Coast Church Pastor. They're listed, uh, he's listed as a speaker, along with Mark Driscoll. This is an event happening on October 19th and 20th of 2021. Two days it's billed as two days of practical tools for you to build healthy, thriving ministries. Mark Driscoll remains on a local radio station there in Arizona, a Salem Network radio station. Robert Morris, again, having a preaching intensive in August, bringing in Mark Driscoll. I mean, you wonder sometimes what it takes or what it will take for someone to do something about a man who has so proven himself time and time and time again, not just with one church, now with another church, and with the pile of dead bodies, not just from Mars Hill, but now at Trinity Church, continuing. And so I just plead with people, contact these organizations. Let's bring some accountability as a church for what's going on. I don't know what it's going to take, but it has to stop. And again, all I can do is report it. Chad and Ben, you guys, you had the firsthand experience, and you guys are living on the front lines, maybe going to get sued as a result of going up against this man who has, you know, reportedly $10 million in his litigation fund. I applaud you for having the guts to do that. I applaud you for having the guts to speak out in this podcast. So on my behalf, but more importantly, on the behalf of the church, thank you for doing this today. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much for giving us this platform, Julie. Absolutely. Well, it's a blessing to be able to do it and a blessing to have you on the program. And thanks for listening to The Roy's Report, a podcast dedicated to reporting the truth and restoring the church. I'm Julie Roy's. If you'd like to connect with me online, just go to julieroy's, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com. Also, please subscribe to The Roy's Report on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review and spread the word about the podcast. Also, uh, share this on social media. We really appreciate you uh, getting the word out that way as well. Again, thanks so much for joining me. Hope you have a great day and God bless.